1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas-raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Christmas week is, is a special time around our home. It's an opportunity to, to really kind of reflect on a lot of different things, kind of look back at the year past and, and look forward to the future a little bit. And thought we might just kind of visit a little bit this morning and, and talk about a few things and kind of look back. You know, the, the year with dealing with COVID has been a most interesting one in, in terms of so many different ways. And in years past, I had traveled about 200 days out of the year, but this year I actually got to spend a lot of time at home with my family and particularly with my wife and get to know my wife and again after many years of, of us being together and and really truly enjoyed the time that I got to spend at the home and kind of looking forward to uh, maybe not traveling quite as much as what I did in the past. Not saying I'm not going to go hunt somewhere in strange and wild places, but, uh, you know, it's really good to spend time with family, and, and that's what this time of the year is all about anyway. I know some of us are going to be able to do that in a personal fashion. Some of us are not going to be able to, and probably be Zooming and we'll do it FaceTime and all those other kind of technological things that we get to do these days that, when I was a kid, somebody just kind of did barely even dreamed of. Looking forward into the future a little bit, uh, I was so much looking forward to the DSC convention in February. And just about time I, I started to try to put this thing together, we learned that the city of Dallas has decided that they were not going to let DSC hold their convention this year at Kay Bailey Hutchison Center there in, in Dallas, February 11th through the 14th. And... As a result of that, it looks like we're going to have a virtual event. And to, to learn a little bit more about that, uh, for you to start thinking in terms of, of plans and 
how you can participate. And in this instance, essentially, we're used to say we bring the hunting world to Dallas. Well, this year we're taking DSC to the hunting world and literally in terms of, of the true world because now the uh, convention is really going to be on the Internet or our event's going to be on the Internet. And to learn a little bit more about that, let's, let's visit with Corey Mason and uh, let Corey tell us a little bit about kind of what to expect. And over the next several weeks, we'll kind of keep you updated and, and bring you some more information as we get a little bit closer. But... Corey, if you could tell us a little bit about kind of what's going on as far as the virtual event is concerned, we'd really appreciate it. You bet. Well, we were, first of all, Merry Christmas, Larry. Well, thank you. And the same <laughs> to you and everybody with Bob with DSC. You bet. Uh, so we've been planning the convention, obviously, for a year, you know, in the last several months. We've been watching COVID numbers and all the while thinking, you know, we need to have a well-built plan B should the city choose to cancel. And, and as you raised, they did recently. And so... And so now we're we're moving to deliver this virtual event, and this this virtual event I think is going to be a really neat opportunity for those that really haven't been to the DSC convention or maybe heard of DSC, want to know more. Um, and, and I really focus here on this aspect is they'll have an opportunity to get to know our exhibitors uh, and our exhibitors and their very generous nature of their donations to support the mission of DSC. And I think that's a a really good window into DSC to get an idea. Uh, of all of the people around the globe that we work with on a partnership basis, on a personal level. These are our exhibitor partners, and I say partner in every sense of the word. These are people that we work through professional hunting associations with, we work through challenges in policy and legislation with, and, and ultimately these are people that, that exhibit at our convention, uh, and they bring people from all over the world, and we try to put them in front of them uh, for this great celebration of our outdoor way of life. And so we're continuing that this year, but again, in a little different format. Um, and people come and can participate this year from anywhere in the world. You know, if they have their their phone or if they have their laptop or whatever it might be, they can they can dial in and they can have access to these great exhibitors. They can see a directory of who they are, who's selling optics and who's selling firearms, outdoor gear, clearly hunting and fishing trips. Um, but then they can also go in there, and a, and a big focus of this this landing page where all this information will be hosted. Um, is specifically the auctions, the donation items. And this is how we specifically fuel the mission of DSC. You know, these are items, and again, it's from beautiful art from John Banovich uh, to incredible jewelry to obviously the greatest in outdoor gear anywhere in the world to these wonderful destinations for adventures. And so people can come there. They can see little video snippets about these items. They can read the description, and there is something there for every single person that enjoys the outdoors. That sounds actually this fantastic. You know, I, I made a statement several times in the past, or we have. We we bring the world to DSC in Dallas, and actually, I guess this year we're taking DSC to the world, and it's just a reverse of that kind of thing, where everybody that, as you mentioned, that has any kind of device that can get online or get on the internet will be able to participate. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, we have a, the great fortune of roughly 30-plus thousand people that attend our convention physically every year. Yes. And that is supplemented by an online presence. So our online presence isn't new, but this year it will be exclusively the focus. And so our hope uh, is that we will increase our reach this year, reach more people, make more people aware of who we are, what DSC does, and how DSC fights for the rights of sportsmen and sportswomen around the world, and how we participate and engage in litigation and, and policy all over the world. Um and how we, we stand on that front line for our way of life. Um, and hopefully through this, we can reach more people, more people can come to know about DSC, and they can participate and support the mission. And, and again, we have items from really great packages from all over the world to, um, to a whitetail hunt or a pronghorn hunt or a bear hunt in North America, bird hunt all across North America to 
uh, you know, ibex hunts in, in, in Europe uh, to obviously some African safaris, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Russian bear. I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Muskox up north, and there's something there for everybody. There truly is. I'm really looking forward to begin with that. It's still going to take place February 11th through the 14th? That's correct. It'll still be the same times. And actually on Wednesday night, the 10th, will be our kickoff auction. We'll have live auctions that week, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we'll have a tremendous offering of silent auctions as well. It will end up closing on Sunday. So a lot of opportunities for some hard items there, if you will, like scoped optics, those kinds oh of things gosh, as yes. well, uh, as well as some great destinations through the silent auction. And what the great thing about it is, is once you sign up to participate in either of those auctions, the live or the silent, you're registered for both. So then you have the opportunity to see the whole suite of things that are laid out there. So, Wow. <laughs> That's going to be almost like being there, but I mean... Gosh, it's, it's always been like a huge family reunion as far as I'm concerned. This will be a little bit different, but my gosh, I think there are going to be so many more opportunities, actually. You may actually, as a as a visitor, actually get to see almost everything compared to if you're there in person, which you never get to see everything that you want to either. I think that's right. There'll be the opportunity to reach out and contact exhibitors, like you say, and you can peruse all these auction items. And one of the things that I failed to mention is those that bidding is open now. So those that want to go look right now, they can they can find and mark those items that they really want to follow, get notifications about them, put in some bids, kind of test the waters, if you will. And, you know, one of the things that I'll say, and I say this in a sort of a joking way, is that, you know, this this auction is there to raise money for the for the mission of DSC. Yes. It is respectfully, it is not there to get a screaming deal on a cheap valued hunt. No. Rather, no. it is great, it is there to support an organization. <clears throat> and know that when you're supporting and purchasing one of these items that you are going with an extremely reputable outfitter that you will have no concerns with. You're exactly right. There's one item in there that I'm involved in that I'm really looking forward to. It's with uh, Ron Nemechek with North yeah. and his wife Maria in North River Outfitting in Alberta where in, uh, in 2019 I shot a Booney Crockett buck. And the reason I bring that up is because that's going to be an absolutely fantastic hunt. It's a one-on-one -on -one hunt. Everything is inclusive. Taxidermy about double nickel as well too. But when I was there the last two years, of course, did not get to go this year, but the last years I've been there, I've never seen as many young whitetail bucks, mm. yearling bucks, as I have there anywhere that I've ever hunted. Those bucks are going to be three and four years old for this coming 2022 hunting yeah. season, or 21 hunting season, I should say. And there's going to be an opportunity there for somebody to take an absolutely fantastic buck. And I'll be in camp and have an opportunity to spend some time telling some hunting stories with some people. <laughs> so that's on the list along with some of so many other absolutely fabulous hunts. Corey, thank you. I want to come back with you pretty much almost on a weekly basis and kind of maybe highlight some of the hunts along the way. But in the meantime, remind everybody how they can get started. Because as you mentioned, some of these hunts, including the one I just mentioned, you can already bid on right now. You can. You can go to our website, which is biggame.org, uh, and there's an auction tab there, and you can click on and. There's tabs there that show people how to register and bid, uh, get information on each particular item, uh, and pretty detailed information, time, dates, very specifics on it, uh, and then just general information about access to exhibitors. So again, they can go to the website at biggame.org and get all the information that they're looking for, and they can always call the office, and we would be happy to walk through them with that. Fantastic. I know you, along with all that your staff, and your staff is a very minimal staff, <laughs> staff when you're almost a skeletal staff, but I know you all wish everybody the very merriest of Christmases, and, and we want everybody to join us at the DSC virtual event this year. That's right. Please come join us. We appreciate the support.
Really looking forward to that. And uh, thank you so much for everything that you and, and DSC do for conservation, education, and, and hunter advocacy, the, the three legs of the uh, mission statement of DSC. We'll come back and visit with you a little bit later in another of these podcasts and try to find out what's going on at the moment and what we can expect for the following weeks. Thank you. Years ago, I, I spent a lot of time traveling the brush country of South Texas, West Texas, and kind of parlay that to some of the writing that I did in my early years. I used to write a column uh, called A View from the Pear Flat for the Southern Livestock Standard, which was a weekly newspaper. They'd contacted me to write about some of the things that landowners and, and those involved in the outdoors could do in terms of trying to make their properties a little bit more better, enhance it for wildlife and livestock at the same time. And But because it was a weekly, they realized that uh, there may be room for a few other things. And one of the things they let me do is <clears throat> they let me uh, do a uh, uh, some short stories. Now, during the travels, when I was really spending a lot of time out in the Trans-Pecos, the western part of the state of Texas and the southern part, really all over Texas and a few other states, I kept a notebook of, of stories that I heard of, of key phrases and a few other things and, and maybe a little bit of a profile of some of the people that I met over the years. And, and these kind of became short stories that... Uh, and a shorter versions from what I'm about to read to you were in Southern Livestock Standard. When I finally decided it was time to write a book in about 1994, uh, thought, you know, the proper title to a book would be Pear Flat Philosophies. Now, those of you who don't know about prickly pear cactus in, in the southern part of Texas and a few other parts of the, Texas, a lot of times prickly pear will grow to the exclusion almost of anything else in a certain area and it's generally along a, maybe a little bit of a saline soil type of a creek bottom. Pear flats, it's nothing but prickly pear, side by side by side, just a, a myriad of thorns if you will, but those areas a lot of times too were initially homes of, for the ancients, the, the, the Indians that roamed through the area. And, and uh, some of the early, even the, some of the early settlers that came through. So there's been a fascination, I think, with those prickly pear flats, if you will, by people for a long, long time. And I know there were a lot of stories told about them and around them. And so when I got ready to write this book for Safari Press that was published in 1995, I thought the proper title would be the Pear Flat Philosophies. And based upon some of the short stories and, and all true experiences that I had. Now, some of them, the stories were, may have been enhanced just a little bit, but basically everything in this book is, is true, and it has a lot of things to, to do, everything from some, my involvement with uh, the Lonesome Dove series, what I provided for that particular series of, of uh, absolutely fantastic Western, if you will, it, it, to me always being one of my favorites, if not my favorite. But I wrote several other stories in this in this particular book, and what I thought with the year that we've had and the year that we're looking forward to, and, and uh, one of the stories that I, I, I did was called A Christmas Story. Now, I apologize. I am not a good reader out loud. I can speak with generally on almost a lot of different subjects and, and not stutter or stammer, but whenever I start reading, it's a totally different thing, particularly reading out loud. So. If I kind of stumble and stammer and clear my throat a time or two, I, I, I truly apologize. But 
I thought this particular story was kind of an apropos thing to, to do at, at this time and, and for so many reasons and, and maybe you'll understand by the time that I get finished. But again, this is based on a, on, on a true story like all the rest of them in the Paraflat Philosophies book. And if you're interested in it afterwards, I will tell you that it's been out of print now for a while, but you can go to Amazon and generally find used copies there, both in the trade copy hardcover and then also in the, the limited edition that's a fair amount more expensive these days than it was when, when I wrote the book many years ago. But if, again, if you'll in, indulge me just a little bit and uh, kind of bear with me on, on some stammering and stuttering and that kind of thing, I'd like to read from you or read to you a, a story from uh, my book, Paraflat Philosophy, is called A Christmas Story. Old Charlie was not quite himself. He had an extra bounce in his step, and his steel blue eyes twinkled like a youngster's who knew a secret and could not wait to tell someone. Normally, the ornery old rascal was just that, an ornery rascal, irascible in every way. Old Charlie normally reveled in being miserable and making everyone else around him feel the same way. Charlie's camp is nestled along a creek under ancient live oaks, which served weary pilgrims for hundreds of years. When we arrived there, Charlie was humming a song. The tune was somewhat foreign, and most of it passed it off as being a ditty Charlie had picked up during the days he traveled with a pack train through the Sierras of Mexico in search of gold and lost legends. Out in the back, the old man's mule nibbled on some freshly rolled oats. Not the normal meal for the beast of burden. Old Jubal generally had to survive on stemmy socketone grass, which grew along the sides of the creek. Charlie dearly loved the old mule, but could never see the benefits of feeding him good groceries. Many of the time we'd heard Charlie say, Well, if that ornery old mule ever ate good, he'd be plumb ruined. Next thing you know, he'd be expecting me to carry the load. Around Christmas each year, we, my brother, a couple of close friends, and I would head to Charlie's Rancho de los Cuernos. For the reason, for some reason, the old white-tailed bucks fattened on mesquite beans and acorns seemed to prefer the prickly pear flats near Charlie's camp, over an area that of any of the surrounding counties. I had met Charlie nearly 25 years earlier in a cantina near Del Rio. He appeared to be down on his luck, but still stood pine tree straight and tall, wearing good hat and good boots. I'd helped him home. I remember ending up spending a couple of days with him at the ranch working cattle. As I prepared to leave, he asked me if I enjoyed hunting deer. Yes, sir, I replied. So it came to be that each December since then, I had returned to visit Charlie to hunt deer and to listen for hours as the old man told stories of chasing banditos along the Rio Bravo when he was a young man. Charlie had spent quite a few years riding the river in search of smugglers, bootleggers, and bandits back in the early 1900s. Back then, you did whatever you were big enough to do, and evidently, Charlie had been plenty big. One of Charlie's favorite tales was about the night he was on patrol with a couple of compadres. Charlie and his two lookalikes had encamped on a high bank overlooking the Rio Grande, waiting in ambush for bandits. They had been there since early afternoon, cramped, cold, getting stiffer and stiffer as the hours passed. Just before the inky darkness of December blanketed the area, a blue norther blew in, a true blizzard, in blizzard fashion. As the temperatures dropped to near zero and rain turned to sleet and snow, the three men on the north side of the reel knew that to survive the night, they had but one option, 
to build a fire in a steep-sided canyon. They knew that such a fire would betray their presence and position, but it was that or freeze to death. No sooner did they have a fire roaring when they heard horses approaching. The bandits reined their mounts close to the fire, staring at the rangers across the flame. Neither side knew what would happen next. Finally, one, obviously the leader of the band, spoke in broken English. Amigo, the noche es muy frío. Tonight we warm by the fire. We fight in the mañana, no? A short time later, the bandits and the rangers lay beside a much larger fire and spoke of the old days. When the gray and dawn foretold the coming of daylight, the bandits and the rangers parted company. The shootout occurred a few hours later. Old Charlie always spoke with great reverence of his enemies. They were men, he would say with respect. Charlie believed strongly that a man was judged not only by his actions, deeds, and friends, but by his enemies as well. In the kitchen, the cook went to work on the wood stove to prepare a feast of wild turkey and venison. Charlie even smiled when the cook went to work, rather than making his usual sour remarks about how the cook had never quite adapted to modern cooking. It was then I noticed a bottle of good stuff hidden in the wood box. For a moment, I thought perhaps his merriment could be related to tippling a bit, but I realized it had to be something more than the good bottle because Charlie was acting different. He even smiled a little when he talked. A couple hours before dinner, Charlie disappeared into the back part of his camp. Minutes later, he reappeared, wearing a suit that had not seen the light since the 1930s. It smelled slightly of mothballs and old pipe tobacco. Even though age had taken its toll on both man and suit, had Miss Emma been alive today, she would surely have swooned upon seeing the dashing figure that Charlie was still today. It had been Miss Emma, Charlie's lady love and wife, who had selected the campsite that Charlie called home. On the mantel of the rock fireplace was a faded sepia photograph of a beautiful young woman, a Winchester Model 92 in one hand, a huge white-tailed rack in the other. Charlie glanced at the photograph as he walked toward us. He stopped momentarily, stared at the photo. A tear came in his eyes as he remembered the good times they had shared. He had not worn that suit since her funeral. She had passed away while he was a foray in, in Mexico. He had never forgiven himself for not being there. If only she could see him now. But she had never been one to dwell on sad moments. The old man straightened, squared his shoulders, and walked to the group. Tonight we celebrate. Remember the time I told you about the bandits sharing my fire that cold, miserable December night? I nodded in affirmative. That night, one of them swore if we ever met again, there would be gunplay, and one of us would die. The next day, I had him in my sights. Then at the last moment, just before squeezing the trigger, I pulled down and shot his horse out from under him and spared his life. He hesitated momentarily in reflection. He's alive. I ran into him about a month ago at the Panther Canyon store. We just, we talked for hours. Then I invited him to come to dinner. He's coming tonight, my old enemy. Now there was a man. That night, my old friend said grace. Lord, we thank you for, your many, for our many blessings. Let us not forget the true meaning of Christmas to celebrate this time with joy, love, and respect, not only for our friends, but also for our enemies as well. Amen. Amen. Oh, Charlie was quite a character. And over the years, I got to know him really well and loved the stories that he told. And uh, like so many men of that era, uh, th- th- those were hard times. They, they, they developed to be 
true men in so many different ways. And, and, but it, I think it was because of some of the, the harshness and the hardness that they faced that they had a true appreciation for life and a true appreciation for those who they really cared for, whether it was uh, friends, family, or, or somebody that was an adversary that they had also great respect for. So, you know, moving into the future, we, we, we're dealing with some interesting times. And, and I think it's for that reason that I, I kind of wanted to, to read this as kind of a, a Christmas story is that we're facing some interesting times in the future. And, you know, sometimes we need to have love and respect for our enemies even though we may not really care for them or, or really like what they do. But, uh, you know, I, I used to get tickled because I had a friend of mine that for years told me, he says, you know, not only pray for your friends, but, but pray for your enemies as well. I pray for them to see the light. And hopefully that's, that's what will happen sometime this year and as we move into 2020. You know, let's say a few prayers for those close to us and say a few prayers that those who truly oppose what we in here in the good old USA feel is the American way of doing things, that those folks too will, will see the light and, and uh, maybe we can return to a time when there truly was and is greatness in, in the USA. In the meantime, until we have an opportunity to meet again, I would uh, wish each and every one of you a very, very heartfelt Merry Christmas and and hope that you get to spend it with your family and that hope that you get to uh, to truly get to know your family once again. That has been one of the good things about the year as far as my year has been. And with that, I'm looking forward greatly into the future. Appreciate y'all being with us and, and uh, I truly hope you have a very happy, merry and blessed Christmas. And let us not forget why we truly celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ and the opportunities that that has provided us throughout life and will continue to do so in the future. Merry Christmas, y'all. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems, serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun. fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.